Okay. Can you hear? Yeah, we can. Okay, excellent. Um, I'm going to look a bit into the Old Testament, as ever. Uh, all the scriptures are from the New Living Translation. And I'm not going again very deeply, and I hope, well, it is a short as ever word. Um, I would say I'm not preaching, I'm not teaching. I'm really just sharing my thoughts on things, really. You know, so uh, I hope you'll bear with me and uh, may God speak to us all. And may we be refreshed by his word to us. Amen. And I'm going to start um, at the very beginning. God created and walked with Adam. Everything flowed and continues to flow forth from God, just everything. He, being the life, communicates life, and in so doing, himself to us, his creation. Everything that was or is or is to be flows forth from him. That we exist along with every other atom of creation, sentient and otherwise, is because of him. In the words of an old catechism, he created us to know him, to love him, and to serve him. Not to know about him, but to know him experientially. To love him because of his utter and most beautifully profound goodness and character. To serve him, to walk with harmonious steps with him in complete accord, in union. As we know also experientially, this did not last. We all fell with and in Adam. Real knowledge of him became darkened. Real love for him became cold. And harmonious steps became increasingly discordant. And he our God, having communicated with creatures of light and goodness, with an ever greater revelation of his sublime and magnificent character, began to communicate 
with creatures of darkness. No instant destruction nor casting off, but the advent of an incredible revelation of mercy and of an immensity of love and purpose. For Christ was slain before the creation of the world. Revelation 13, 8b. The omnipotent omniscience of God, not taken unawares, but all, all, everything is encompassed in his original intent and plan. And now he will reveal himself anew, increasingly and prodigiously with great glory, wonderful in patience and mercy and every other attribute of his goodness to a fallen, darkened, and hopelessly helpless humanity. For he alone is our hope. There is none other. Isaiah 45, 22. Let all the world look to me for salvation. For I am God. There is no other. The revelation and communication to this fallen humanity is succinctly and with clarity stated in Hebrews 1, 1 and 2. Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. We know that in him, the son, God, in all his fullness, was pleased to dwell. Colossians 1.19 We know that he said, To have seen me is to have seen the Father. John 14.9 Sinless, perfect, without spot or stain, the fullest revelation of God himself to be given in man to man, our Lord Jesus Christ. But what of us and what of the prophets? What did God have to work with in them and consequently with us also? And it is something of a considerable downgrade 
to look at the prophets and so consequently in them at ourselves. For we are of the same common clay as they, but, and to the praise of his grace and his glory, in the hands of the same benevolent, omnipotent, and masterful potter. We tend to look up to the prophets of the Old Testament as great men of God, but actually they were men of common clay, weak and fallible as we. What they had, as we also, each one of us, have, was a great and mighty God of mercy and grace who would use and in so doing also transform the greatly imperfect into creatures showing forth and demonstrating the glory of his nature to and in and through them. 2 Peter 1.21 Because no prophecy ever came by the will of man. Instead, men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Spirit. It was all of God then and still is today. All is of God. If there is any apparent greatness in a man, it is from the enabling anointing of his great creator, God and Savior. So what of the prophets? David, he sinned more than Saul, but yet spoke for the Lord. Jeremiah, he accused God of being deceptive, yet spoke for the Lord. Elijah, he ran in terror from Jezebel but yet spoke for the Lord. The strength was evidently not in they themselves, nor ever the power. God ordained, called, and used them, and was faithful to them even when they failed miserably and in them the glory of his astounding and abundant love and mercy was increasingly displayed for all who would look to see and to be greatly and increasingly astonished at have we have i have you been astonished 
at his undeserved and ever gracious mercy to us? Have we looked and seen, examined, and been gratefully, indelibly awestruck? In the prophet Jonah, the predisposition of God toward all men, the power of God over all creation, and the purposeful providential plan of God for those who are his are quite evident and plainly speaking, profoundly humbling. He is disposed to mercy for even the most wicked. In this case, the Ninevites. He is disposed to mercy also to his rebellious prophet Jonah and toward the pagan sailors. And he orders all things in his creation, wind, waves, the free actions of men, a sea creature, a scorching wind and a burning sun, a plant and a worm to bring his purpose to pass. For he is Lord of all. I'm assuming that everybody is familiar with the story of Jonah. Do you know and believe that he did that and does all of this today? That his plans and purposes never fail, nor ever will? That he orders everything for your ultimate good and the salvation of men, no matter how wicked they may be? And as to Jonah, in chapter 1, verse 2, the Lord said, Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it, because I have seen how wicked its people are. And verse 3, but Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa, where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape from the presence of the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. And just a point of interest, and if I remember correctly, Tarshish was the name of five Phoenician trading outposts in the ancient world. One in Spain, one in France, 
two, I think, in Germany, and actually one in Britain. It was a bigger world than we of today tend to think of. And they were synonymous with the ends of the earth. So Tarshish, as far away as he could get. A seemingly instant and insistent rebellion. Foolish, determined, incredibly stubborn. He simply did not want Nineveh, an enemy of Israel, to be saved. He hated them, desired their destruction, and he actually knew that God might possibly show them mercy. Jonah speaking to God in chapter 4-2, after the Ninevites repented. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. His theological understanding was undeniably acute and accurate. And he knew God, but his heart was hard and unyielding, willful and angry with God, perversely preferring his own will to be done and Nineveh to be destroyed. Reasoning that if he didn't deliver, they would not even have the opportunity of repentance. But God, rich in love and mercy toward him and the Ninevites, did not turn away from him nor from his resolve toward those same Ninevites. God's glory shines through this whole book in every interaction, purpose, plan, and providence for every twist and turn of his errant prophet Jonah, up to and in even including a virtually inevitably successful suicide attempt of a man consumed with hatred. Jonah 1, verse 12. Throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm again. I know that this storm is all my fault. He could have said, 
I must go to Nineveh. But no, no, and no again, perversely, preferring even death. But Jonah, as hopefully we will know, despite being thrown into a tumultuously tossing sea, did not die. But in an acute state of extremity, called upon the Lord. Jonah 2, 7. As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord and my earnest prayer. My earnest prayer, he said, went out to your holy temple. And Jonah is delivered by fish to Nineveh. Reinstated and now willing to go and at least deliver his message from the lips of God to the Ninevites. But his heart is still not right. He proclaims in. And despite knowing the obvious. That if God sends a message of imminent impending judgment. He is yet at the same time inviting an imminent repentance. For why warn if there is no hope? Jonah becomes furious at Nineveh's repentance. Jonah 4.1 This change of plans greatly upset Jonah and he became very angry. And verse 3, he says, Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. Such arrogance, really. Jonah is undisputedly not the ideal choice for a prophet, at least in our eyes. But we see and understand all things in a glass, but darkly. And he is, as are we also, the clay that God has in his strong and infinitely able hands and with which he works and in which he works the salvation that he planned and purposed before the world was made. Although certainly not a prophet, nor with any great anointing in all of this i see myself able to sin as david able to flee as elijah able to accuse like jezebel like jeremiah sorry 
and able to behave as Jonah. But I am in the hands of a great and almighty creator and savior, as are you. Clay being remade into his image and likeness by the blood of the lamb in the plan of the father slain before creation began, before Adam fell and begot children and changed by the power of the spirit. It's all under control. Jeremiah, weak, unstable, under pressure, was still able to say this, Lamentations 3, 21, 24. Yet, I still dare to hope when I remember this, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh every morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. And how true that is for us. And the Lord says in Isaiah 55, 8, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. I for one am so utterly grateful that my thoughts are not his and my ways are not his either. His glory shines through my weakness. His grace and mercy transform me and his love bears with me. And back to the old catechism, which I mentioned before, the question being, why did God make you? Answer, he made me to know him well, I do know him in Jesus and will experientially know him with an increasing fullness, as will all of you. He made me to love him as I see and comprehend his glorious goodness and utter perfection, I shall increasingly do so. 
as will all of you. He made me to serve him. I will increasingly walk in harmonious accord with him until my every step matches his, as will all of you. Not in our strength, but in his. Paul writes in Philippians 1.6, I am certain of this. The God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. We should be certain too. And Job in 42, 1 and 2. Then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do anything and no one can stop you. To which we say, Amen, and Amen again. I know that you can do anything and no one can stop you. I shall see you as you are. We are all in the hands of a mighty God. We are all of clay being remade and reworked into his image by his power and his insightful provision before even the beginning of time. Our security is sure. We are as David, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Jonah were, secure in his powerful, and providential love, as were Paul, Peter, James. Every one, men of clay, but in the hands of the loving and infinitely able creator. Finally, let us look at each other with the eyes of our Lord and Father, loving, patient, and forgiving, with great gentleness and goodness. And um, just to end, I'd like to read through A hymn, I would sing through it. However, I don't think that would be too good. 
So I'm just going to end with this. It's an old hymn and one which I have always loved. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Nought be all else to me, save that thou art. Thou my best thought by day or by night, waking or sleeping, thy presence my light. Be thou my wisdom and thou my true word. I ever with thee and thou with me, Lord. Thou my great father and I thy true son. Thou in me dwelling and I with thee one. Be thou my battle shield, sword for the fight. Be thou my dignity, thou my delight. Thou my soul shelter, thou my high tower. Raise thou me heavenward, O power of my power. Riches I heed not, nor man's empty praise. Thou mine inheritance, now and always thou and thou only first in my heart high king of heaven my treasure thou art high king of heaven my victory won may i reach heaven's joys o bright heaven's sun heart of my own heart whatever befall Still be thou my vision, O ruler of all. Amen.